Hey, Pastor Justin here, and I want to welcome you to our verse-by-verse teaching through God's Word. We hope and pray that this is a huge resource to you, and it helps you grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ and the Bible. Also, want to encourage you, if this is your only place where you're being fed, go and be a part of the local church. We love being a part of your life, but it's no substitute for being a part and serving in the local church. Also, if this has blessed you, we would love to hear about it. There's an email that's listed below, and if you send us an email and just tell us how God's Word has changed your life, it would bless us tremendously. Also, would you pray and consider maybe helping us continue this ministry and getting God's Word all over the world? You can do that by going to newheightsohio.com and click on the Giving tab. Anything helps, and we appreciate it. God bless. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah, he called Shadrach, Mishael, he called Meshach, and Azariah, he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief eunuch to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief eunuchs. Well, good morning, everyone. And um, I'm happy to be here today. He's right. I've been preparing all year for this day. And I still am nervous getting up here in front of you all. But, um, but I know God has a word. And so that's what I'm clinging to today. Um, Happy Mother's Day to all you moms. And um, I know that there's mixed feelings always with Mother's Day. Um, So um, uh, I've been praying for those moms that today is a hard day um, for you. I've been praying for those moms that that feel that today. Um, But Happy Mother's Day to you all. And um, I hope you've enjoyed the lounge out here. And I just want to thank all the volunteers, because it definitely takes a team of volunteers to do this. 
All right. Well, um, we're a verse-by-verse church, as Justin said, and we're currently studying the book of Acts. If you've been here, you've been going through Acts with us. But today, I'm going to go into the first chapter of Daniel. We don't do this often, but since it's Mother's Day, we want to do something a little different today. And Tiffany, wherever you are, thank you. You did such a great job. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you. Um, Thank you for bringing us into God's word. Something we value here at New Heights Church is reading God's word uh, corporately and verse by verse. I will have you open your Bibles today to Daniel chapter 1 as we unpack these verses together this morning. But first, I want to pray. God, you are so good. Thank you that you left us your word so that we can know you in a real way, Lord. I pray that your word would fall on soft hearts today, Lord God. I pray that you would prepare our hearts for your word, Lord God, and um, that we would just open our heart wide to whatever you want to do, Lord Jesus. Everyone that's listening to your word today, I pray that you would just open our hearts, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Amen. The theme of the book of Daniel is God's sovereignty in all things. If you study the persecuted church around the world, you will find that the book of Daniel and the book of Revelations are favorites for the persecuted church. And I can see why as I've been studying these verses. Um, This is because the persecuted church draws strength in knowing that in the end, after everything that we go through here on earth, God is sovereign over all things. And in the end, in the very, very end, even after we have suffered for a little while, he wins. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I recently watched a Marvel movie with my kids, and my youngest son, Liam, who's seven, came over and sat on my lap and closed his eyes and whispered to me, I'm getting nervous. I said, why are you nervous? Why? He said, oh, yeah, I don't need to be nervous because they're superheroes and they always win. So after that, he opened his eyes and kept watching the movie like nothing had happened. Um, If we could only live out our faith this way, not seeing what's in front of us, our day-to-day affliction and the, the momentary troubles that we have, but looking ahead to what's to come. Amen. We see this kind of thinking with Daniel and his friends. In this chapter in Daniel, we will see that through the circumstance, though the circumstances changed and the geographical location of God's people had changed by being exiled in Babylon, their calling to remain pure and holy did not. By following the example provided in God's word in Daniel chapter 1, we can learn that even in times of great trial and opposition, we can remain faithful to God and his gospel, imitating Christ's own steadfastness as he endured persecution and 
death for our sake. God may sovereignly allow circumstances in your life that you may be uncomfortable with. Life happens unpredictably. There are two perspectives outlined in verses one and two. Verse one says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The historical perspective is outlined here, what we see. In verse one, we see a picture of what is happening, happening during this historic event, and we gain historical context. So we see what is happening at this time in history. We learn that Jehoiakim was the king of Judah during this time and that Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and conquered it. The name Babylon comes from the Hebrew word Babel, which means the gate of gods. Many of us remember the story of the Tower of Babel, where the people wanted to make a tower that stretched the heavens to to make a name for themselves, Genesis 11.4. But God confused their language and scattered them. Babylon is also referred in, um, or referenced, sorry, in Revelations 18, which gives a very vivid description of the judgment coming to Babylon. But the Babylon in Daniel chapter one would have been what we know as modern day Iraq. So Daniel verse one shows us what is happening from a very literal standpoint, historically what took place at that time. Many times in our own personal lives, this is all we see. We see what is happening. This is all we can see, what's happening now in our lives. Verse two is a little different. Verse two says, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. In verse two, the theological perspective is outlined. In verse two, we see why this is all happening and the theological implications of what is happening. So in verse one, we see what is happening in history. And in verse two, we see what God is doing here. This is God's sovereign judgment on Jerusalem. God spoke to the Jewish people persistently through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 25 verses five through seven says, turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm, yet you have not listened to me. Verse 11 says, this whole land shall become a ruin and a waste. And listen to this part. These nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So what is happening in Daniel chapter one was prophesied. There was plenty of warning just as we have today. Right, read the book of Revelations. Um, These verses mention King Jehoiakim. To really understand what is happening here, I think we need a little background. And this part, when I was studying, really impacted me. 
um, to learn a little bit about King Jehoiakim and his life. King Jehoiakim was not a good king. His father was King Josiah, who we sometimes refer to as the boy king because he became king at age eight. Just for a little perspective, that would be like my son Liam becoming king next year. I don't think we're ready for that. (laughs) Then in 2 Kings 22, while King Josiah was in his 18th year of being king, so he would have been about in his 20s, they were repairing the temple and they found the book of the law. Now get this, when the book of the law was brought to King Josiah and read to him, he went into a time of mourning. And, his, and this fairly young king, King Josiah, called all the people of his kingdom together to read the book of the law to the people. He got God's word to the ears of the people. Then he got rid of all the idols that were in the temple of the Lord at that time. So this is King Jehoiakim's dad that did all of this. But King Jehoiakim was not like his father. In In Jeremiah 36, 23, we hear a different kind of story. And it's a stark contrast where God's word is being read to King Jehoiakim and he tears it out of the hands of the reader and he really goes to some extremes. He cuts God's word up into pieces and he doesn't stop there. He throws it into a fire. It's like such an extreme contrast from his dad. He had no regard regard for God's word. During King Jehoiakim's reign, the nation returned to the old ways of idolatry. Isn't that so sad? This is where our story picks up in the first chapter of Daniel. Because verse 2 says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Jeremiah's prophecy of God sending his people into exile for 70 years had begun. God's ways are sovereign. We may not always understand his ways, but we know he is good. Verse 3 says, Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility. Here we will see how God is sovereign, even over the lives of these four young men from Israel. Through our human perspective, we think good should be done to those who do good. Bad should be done to those who do bad. Right? That's how we, we perceive these things. But in this case, with these four young boys, they had not done anything, yet here they are in a difficult place. We can't always see what God is doing. But we know he is good, and we need to trust him. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, and this is one of my favorite quotes. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. And when you can't trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. Romans 8.28 puts it this way. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God is at work here even as he scatters his people. Here we will see how Daniel and his friends face the pressures of Babylon, their new city. 
Babylon is estimated to have been the largest city in the world around this time and is believed to have been the first city to have reached a population of 200,000 people. So this was a metropolis of their time. The city of Babylon was fortified with three rings of walls that were 40 feet tall and inside the walls would have been around the size of the city of Chicago. It was said by the Greek historian Herodotus that the walls were so wide they, they held chariot races on them. There were shrines to gods that would have been about 26 stories tall. Babylon held two of the wonders of the ancient world, including the massive gate of Ishtar and the beautiful hanging gardens that were built for Nebuchadnezzar's wife. This city would have been extremely intimidating to these four young Israelite boys. Daniel and his friends were taken captive and placed in a four-layered program that was aimed at turning these young Israelite boys into Babylonian-thinking Chaldeans. Be prepared for the challenges non-Christian cultures will throw at you and your family to lead you away from God is my next point. The first step that these young boys went into was isolation. Verse three says um, that they were taken. They were taken um, from royal families and from nobility and they were taken to uh, Babylon. So King Nebuchadnezzar took them from their homeland. They were placed under Ashpenaz, the the king's chief eunuch. Scholars believe Daniel and his friends would have been around the ages of 15 to 17. These were young men. And some scholars believe that that because they were placed under the chief eunuch, they may have been made eunuchs as well. Some scholars don't believe that because this would have gone against Jewish law. So it's, it's really hard to know. We can't know for sure since he was placed under the chief of the eunuchs and that was customary. We can kind of... Um, draw our own conclusions there. Um, but scholars don't necessarily totally agree on, on that. So, um, but the next stop, or the next step was indoctrination. So they took youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Language and literature, the building blocks of culture. This was not about education. It was a way to make these young boys think like Babylonians. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) We deal with this today. The goal was to erase their Jewish worldview and indoctrinate these boys with the Babylonian way of thinking. The next step after this was assimilation. We see this in verse 5. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Daniel and his friends were given the king's delicacies from his table some of you might say, well, what's, what's the big deal? He, you know, he, he could have eaten that food. Um, I think the idea here was 
Daniel's in a strange land. He's remembering Jerusalem. And he's thinking, how can I assimilate the least to where I am? The other, the other thinking is um, that th- this food was first offered to pagan gods. Um, in Thailand, we lived in Thailand. We were missionaries there for about 10 years. In Thailand, they would, um, they would come out and put fruit at idols all, all, and every street you went on, you saw um, a little box that was for the idols. And, but my, my kids were funny because they would see orange, no, it was a red Fanta, and they would put those out, and my kids were really little when we went, so they would, they would try to pick up the red Fanta, and I'm like, no, don't grab that. Number one, there's bugs all over the place, <laughs> and, you know, just don't touch that. That's, you know, but um, anyways, this made me think of that, but, um, but so they would, they would offer this food to these pagan gods in, um, in Babylon, and then that food was brought to the king's table, and after the king ate, it was offered to these Jewish boys. So the thinking here was to get these young Jewish boys into the worship system of the gods in Babylon. And finally, the last step that these young men had to face was confusion. And they were given new names. Our name is a reflection of who we are. It's our identity. Um, Even this morning, I opened a couple cards and the most meaningful thing was to see mom, you know, on the card. I thought, that's the best name that I could have. (laughs) So, um, you know, our name means a lot. Not that my name is mom, but, um, but why else do little girls write their name plus the last name of their crush? I'm going to tell a story on Liam today. A mom from Liam's class came to me and said, I got to tell you something. My daughter was playing a game the other day, and when I asked her what she was playing, she said, I'm pretending to be Mrs. Hansen. She wasn't pretending to be me. (laughs) So names mean something to us. So... Daniel, whose name meant God is my judge, was changed to Belteshazzar, which roughly meant Bel will protect. Bel is a god from from Babylon. Hananiah, whose name meant the Lord shows grace, was changed to Shadrach, which meant illumined by rock, the sun god. Mishael, whose name meant who is what God is, was changed to Meshach, which means who is like Shaq, the Babylonian Venus. Azariah, whose name meant the Lord helps, was changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nego. Daniel and his friends were stripped completely of their identity. They were isolated. They were being indoctrinated and assimilated into this culture. And at this point in their story, I'm sure very, very confused. They, they watched their homeland get destroyed. They saw, they saw war in Jerusalem. They watched this king take God. They, they, they saw him take things from their temple that were for God. 
and put them in the temple of the gods, they had to be so confused. Why, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? Are you even there? Are you real? What, you know, I'm sure they were so confused at this time in their lives. um, These Israelite boys were truly in a different world and never was it more important for these four young teens to be in the world, but not of the world. They were to live in Babylon, but not be of Babylon. That is what God is asking from us today. We live in Babylon. We can't get away from that. But he's calling us out of Babylon to to be a people called by his name. Amen? So then when we read in verse 8, I'm so... um, I'm so glad that Daniel chose what he chose. It says in verse 8, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. Young people that are in here especially, listen. You need to determine early in your life and in your heart that you will not compromise your convictions and your commitments to God. It's going to be hard But God is with you, just like he was with Daniel and and his friends. And I felt on my heart to share this word this morning um, because I think as a mom, our biggest prayer is for our children. We want, you know, I told my kids one day, if you look at my phone, you're going to see a very short list of goals for my life. And I said, and it's not going to look like you would think. Number one on there, one of my top things on there is make sure that you build the kingdom of God in your children. Make sure that Asher, Allie, and Liam are with you one day when you get to heaven. So that's like top, top priority. So... Young people, resist the temptation to defile yourself like Daniel did. Courage begins in your heart when God's word begins to shape your decisions. But Daniel purposed in his heart not to sin against God because Daniel loved God. Here is a quote from an unknown author. Imagine how God feels when he sees you doing the right thing knowing that it wasn't easy for you, but you still chose to honor him. Daniel's decisions were shaped by his love for God. Daniel did, did not just go with the flow of the society around him. Daniel decided early on that Babylon is where he would live, but that Babylon would never be his home. In A.W. Tozer's book titled A Man of God, he says that the weakness of so many modern Christians is that they feel too much at home in the world. Daniel determined early on that Babylon was not his home. I love the water. And when I was a college student, I learned that I could take scuba diving as a PE credit and become a certified diver. That's how much I love the water. I grew up in the tropics in Latin America, so life in Springfield, Missouri, where I went to college, was very different. 
And this was an opportunity for me, if I'm being honest, to swim every week. <laughs> because I love the water that much. So um, even in the middle of winter, I was able to get in the water. I had a lot of fun, but I quickly learned that there was a lot to scuba diving. In scuba diving, you learn about decompression sickness and how serious that can be. You learn that on land, air pressure is equal all around you. In water, the pressure outside of you is always going to be greater than the pressure inside of you, unless you can equalize them. So you learn how to manage this pressure when you learn to dive. Pastor Skip Heidzik shared a similar example in a sermon and put it this way. The pressure on the inside must equal the pressure on the outside. This is really a powerful way to illustrate the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the power of knowing God's word. To know God's word, we must abide in it. To know his presence, again, we must abide. If we continued to read the book of Daniel, we would soon learn that Daniel was a man of prayer. And this was not the only thing he faced during his time in Babylon. My dad would always say um, this to my sisters and I, and this is based, I tried to, I know this is a quote circulating, but I couldn't find the author. So it's unknown. Um, so I'm not sure who said it first. What you will feed will grow. What you will starve will die. Young people, listen. What you feed in your life, the YouTube videos, uh, all these things, those things will grow. And that will be part of who you are. The friends you hang with, all these things. Um, what you feed will grow, what you starve will die. My dad added this part, garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> Jesus in, Jesus out. That's what he would say. Um, so although Daniel had probably never seen so much wealth, so much power, and so little regard or even knowledge of God and his word, and he probably had never been under the, this kind of immense pressure as he was in Babylon, he was away from his family, I know we have college students returning home, some of you here today. College can be hard. College can be a lonely place, especially if you're in a state school. But even in Christian schools, I went to a Christian school and sometimes I had to take a lonely road. Um, God's with you. Daniel was away from everything he knew. Daniel did not allow himself to be distracted by Babylon's lure because the pressure on the inside of him was equal to the pressure on the outside. The only way, when, if you're diving, the only way to get that pressure inside you is to breathe air. Our air is, is something spiritual. Our air, the only way that you're gonna last or survive the lure and the temptations around you and around us, you know, we all need, we all need more of God. The only way to be sustained is God's word. That's why we go verse by verse in this church. Amen. So um, 
So when we jump down to verse 9, it says, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. So many times we believe if we take a stand, we'll be an outcast. But Daniel won the favor of those around him. Daniel was respectful in his approach. And it may not, I mean, sometimes you can't win the favor of those around you. But I do believe that God shows us a little glimpse into how Daniel went about it. And I think this is what he wants from us. Daniel, if you look, um, if you look again at verse 8, it says that Daniel asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. He asked. He asked. The words asked and allow show us a glimpse into Daniel's heart. We can still make a stand and be kind. I think this is one way Daniel was able to win favor and influence. And young people, God will use you if you make a stand You don't know those around you that need you to make a stand. There might be people that need you to make a stand so they can make a stand. When you look ahead to Daniel 121, we see how Daniel and his friends were promoted and preserved. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. King Nebuchadnezzar was not king anymore, but Daniel continued to serve in the courts. He could have chosen to be bitter. With his circumstances, he could have chosen to succumb to the temptations of Babylon, but he didn't. He lived in Babylon, but was not of Babylon. That is why he gained favor and continued to serve in the king's court for over 70 years, as was prophesied by Jeremiah, we learned earlier. After King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel served Belshazzar. Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Great. Those are four kingdoms, four world leaders in one of the most powerful cities of his time. Daniel could have succumbed to the pressures he faced in Babylon, but then he would have lost his God-given influence. One Christian blogger puts it this way, don't ditch your purpose because you can't handle the process. Daniel gained influence by not allowing Babylon to influence him. Um, As we conclude, I want to turn your attention to a song we all know. We sing this song at Christmas time, and it's powerful to realize the significance. It's a song about three kings. It's really about three magi says, we three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar. These magi really did come bearing gifts to the king of the Jews. They were searching for the king of the Jews. They came from the Middle East. The magi were a priestly caste. And get this. Daniel was placed over the magi of Nebuchadnezzar. God used Daniel to influence the thinking of the Magi because Daniel determined to live for God and influence instead of being influenced. 
God always had a plan. God sent his people to be a light in a very, very dark place in order to bring people to him. We may not always understand God's ways. And the Bible says in Isaiah that that his ways are so far above us. We can't think on the same level that God thinks. That's why we don't understand everything down on earth when we're going through trouble and hardship. And I know that many of you have and maybe are in that place today. God is with you and he wants to be a light in your life. He wants to use you. Sometimes it's hard to see God's hand at work and know what he's doing. But if we like Daniel and his friends chose uh, and his friends choose to trust God's sovereignty, he will use our lives to be a light for him no matter what we face. Amen. Today, um, I wanted to leave some time today because when I was preparing for today, God really put on my heart to have a time of prayer together. And this might look different for for different families or different people in here, but... Um, but we are going to have the prayer team up here ready to pray. And um, we're going to have a time of prayer to, together today. Uh, as I was preparing, God put in my heart to pray for moms who may have children or grandchildren that the pressures of Babylon are, are too great. They're not making it. And they need to find their way back home. Um. And I've prayed with many of you, moms, grandmas, uh, who need encouragement as they walk with their families in a world full of real pressures and real temptations. Uh, I also want to invite young people, especially, but anyone really, who just needs to be strengthened by God's presence today. To like Daniel, resolve in your heart to make decisions out of love for God and not out of the pressures around you. We're going to pray that God uses our families to shine bright in Babylon and influence Babylon instead of Babylon influencing us. So some of you might want to, you can come up here. Something else that God put on my heart was if your family's around you, I know it's Mother's Day, you can pray with your family right there where you are. Um, doesn't matter where you pray, but I'd ask you to linger just a little bit. I know the massage chairs are waiting for all of us out there. <laughs> and we'll get out there. Um, but just if we could linger for a minute. And just, if you're weary, God knows your heart. God knows your prayers for your children, your grandchildren. This is probably the deepest cry of, of my heart as a mom. Lord, I, I want my kids to know you. They, they are living in a modern-day Babylon. They have so much pressure. They live in pressure. Even we do. I, those of you working in secular jobs, you have pressure. You've got pressure around you. Grow strength. Be strengthened. Be strengthened by God's presence today. Get that air in you from heaven. That's what we need. We need God's presence.
And as I, I know I already said I was concluding, but I just want to throw one more thing in there. Um, when I was about 14 years old, I knew I had to make a decision. I grew up in a Christian home, and I don't know. I, I was about an eighth grader, and I felt in my heart, God, I don't know if this is for me or not. I feel like I have to decide at this pivotal moment of decision. And I'll tell you what made the difference. Number one, a praying mom, for sure. Um, Thank you, mom. (laughs) Um, But also, um, well, she, she actually made me go to a prayer meeting. And I walked into this prayer meeting and I cannot explain to you today what happened. It was God's presence that I felt. And that's my prayer for my children. Lord, connect what's here to here. Please, Lord. And so that's our prayer today as we pray for our, the kids represented, the grandkids. Um, we're going to pray for those uh, children that I know are heavy on some of your hearts today. pray that they'll experience that, that they'll have that moment where everything they've heard, I, you know, I had so much influence at that time. My friends were influencing me. I had voices uh, from my friends telling me, you know, why do you believe that? How do you even know that's real? And I was being very influenced, but, um, But I walked in that prayer meeting and God's presence hit me so thick. I just began to weep. And I I can't explain to you, but it's been different ever since. And I'm just praying today that, that God will do the same.